Nathan, I have a question for you. I have an answer for you. What kind of questions have we gotten about the Design Games podcast that we can answer on the show? We've gotten some really, really good ones. And so we are going to answer some of them. Are we going to answer the ones that came in through G+. We're going to answer questions that came in through Google+, as well as the Ask button on our Tumblr page. Great. Welcome. You are listening to the Design Games Podcast. My name is Nathan Paletta. I'm a game designer, self-publisher, and graphic artist. My name is Will Hindmarch. I'm a writer, narrative designer, graphic designer, and game designer. So we have some some questions from some people, which is great. We got questions from uh, folks at G Plus and on Tumblr. Mm-hmm. That's where these come from, right? Yes, and and an email. I also received oh, great. an email with one. So, well, first of all, I think we got an early question from listener John, citizen listener John, citizen citizen listener John, on Google Plus. Actually, which kind of kicked off our 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 cycle, if you will, of episodes talking about reward cycles because he asked us about definition of reward cycle and how how that's changed over time i feel like we've talked about that but i wanted to say thank you for the question because it informally got us talking about right. reward cycles and then systems and then systems writ large and brought us to where we are now thanks john so thanks john i also can i just want to say real quick that the, one of the things that we didn't quite address but that uh i love about that question is how has that opinion changed over time mm. because the very short version i can give is that i am almost constantly revising my notion of reward cycles as I think you hear in the episodes, but I wanted to make that textual. I wanted to say out loud that I'm expanding and then sometimes revising how strictly I measure and consider reward cycles compared to how I used to do it. Also, every game redefines yeah. the boundaries of what how, how, the, how the different reward systems and cycles interrelate and kind of my high-level decision-making about them. In the sense that every every game is kind of a, a response to the last one, in a way, it's kind of a similar thing. Where, when when I explore one particular space uh, of rewards, I usually try to go to a different one in the next game. So it's constantly changing and, and revising. So thanks, John. Um, and we've also uh, been asked informally and also uh, from from James on Google Plus about whether we are going to do some deep dives on how a specific game works. Um, and the concepts within it. Short answer, yes. Long answer, yes, but. Our vision for the arc of the show over time is once we feel that we've exhausted or perhaps kind of gotten to the the trailing end of large-scale topics, we would then focus in on one or two games. But ideally, we're going to play them. Like, we're going to pick something, play it together with, with an eye towards talking about it. And that might be later in the life cycle of the podcast. I have kind of an implicit, although there's a lot of given this idea, that we're kind of going through the design cycle of not any particular game as we go, because we've gone from inspiration through various other things. We'll back mm-hmm. up whenever we get an idea that we realize is, right, we already have. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, so that, like, I've been pushing off the playtesting question because yeah. we're not there in kind of the design cycle of the imaginary process that we've been going through for mm-hmm. a non-game that we're not making. Yeah, our our topics are vaguely ranked by chron- kind of chronologically in the way that we would a- approach them through a game design. So stuff about playtesting and maybe deciding about product yeah. uh, design stuff and marketing and all that kind of stuff we have on the list, but it's it's later while yeah. here we're still talking about kind of the beating heart of the 
of the process. And and with so so on the one hand, we, we have a bit of a linearity, but we're also not being inorganic about it. Mm-hmm. As we get ideas, we go ahead and when they're especially topical or we've especially just just had a great we both started thinking about it because of last week's episode or something we we do it again so it's not impossible that we will get struck by lightning by of an idea and and do a deep dive sooner than we think but Mm -hmm. the notion is that we're not going to rush to do it yet so stay tuned i do welcome requests or suggestions for what we should deep dive because it might help us make up our mind about when and what we do yes absolutely we have a kind of a short list of like this probably would make sense that we have informally discussed but if there's something out there that seems to be begging for some kind of analysis because that's the other thing is some games have already been dissected a lot in various forums and others have not and some will just take and some will take a really (laughs) yeah some will take a really long time uh and some we can do you know we can play for a couple weeks and then talk about for a couple weeks so so feel free to submit any suggestions you can go ahead and uh, send those uh through tumblr or uh uh through nathan's g plus posts um, I am not a stickler about if we get things into the ask button that are not technically questions, that can be fine. But know that the only way that we can answer such things is publicly because that's the way Tumblr works. Because the responses to the ask button on Tumblr will always be public or they will be like this on the air where we just kind of talk about it. Talk about it. Yeah. We have a specific question that came through Tumblr that is a really great question from friend uh, and and listener David please tell us how you made the decision to quote kill a darling game design what was the process slash thinking behind the decision and if you have ever resurrected any game designs you thought were dead what were the results that is a great question it's such a good question my preface is that I will answer this question over and over and over again over the course of the show I'm sure especially now that you put it in my head which thank you for doing that um, because Yes. First of all, I, I, we, I, I kill. I keep a notebook specifically of stuff that comes out of other games that I think is a good thing, and it was just thought of at the wrong time. Uh, or files, also word files. I keep the same thing. Things get made all out of order. So I make adventures or characters or uh, uh, get whole games greenlit somewhere that are not in the order in which they were conceived. Mm-hmm. So they absolutely come back out of the hopper where I realize it's Halloween almost here. And so I just realized, for example, recently in a, a, a one-shot adventure I'm going to run, that this cool idea that I had that is just not enough meat for a game works great for a one-shot, so I'm using it. That idea I had, as, to the best of my knowledge, in the autumn of 1999. <laughs> You're so much more organized than I am. No, this one is specifically because I remember where I was living when, when I tried to make it work as a game for mm-hmm. a Halloween. I run a Halloween game every year, mm-hmm. and I tried to make it work that year, and then I realized that where I was living that year, and it was where I was in 1999. Gotcha. I think because I tend to... The actual final products that I end up with tend to be a little more holistic than uh, coming up with like characters or scenarios and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. So I don't have a whole lot of complete things that are on that are like this never saw the light of day for one reason or another. It's more elements that were in a design and ended up getting cut. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And the idea of killing darlings to me is a little more internal to a sp- to an to a specific design and less um, about an entire design that gets that gets axed and, and repurposed though that can happen I mean that, most of mine yeah don't if it gets that far along I put it on the internet for free or something yeah but. I often resurrect things as opposed to hack them apart like uh, I might take out take out stuff that wasn't working and then figure it out so that the, the, the corpse can can rise again I know other people who do a lot more kind of like here's a game it almost works 
uh, I'm never going to make it work all the way, but I'm going to use all the constituent parts in other games. And that is, I think that's just kind of a personal method kind of, kind of approach. To me, it's very often that I get, I'll get an idea for like a dice mechanic and a genre at the same time, mm-hmm. think they belong together and then find out that they do not. Yeah. Uh, or get the idea of something that's kind of either vaguely action pointy or other kindy or whatever that I had in 19, in high school. Um, I can't remember exactly when it happened, but that I was trying to make that game for eons and I just recently realized essentially part of it was how much of it was cruft and how much actually works if I just use other dice. Mm-hmm. Right, and just because it was, it popped into my head one day because I still haven't made the de- the, the detective game I want to make, <laughs> but I almost solved that problem. So I guess on, on some level, I guess right, there's a notion that killing darlings and resurrecting stuff, even though it's very apt language, has a notion of finality and then counter finality mm-hmm. that feels more real than it probably is practically speaking. I think practically a better metaphor is more like a hopper, right, where you're yeah. kind of throwing a bunch of things in and you get some stuff out, and sometimes it extrudes into a beautiful form and sometimes you need to pull stuff out of the hopper because it's just not it's just not gelling with everything yeah it's kind of some kind of weird meta material hopper it's like the 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 vats of beverage and product at at (laughs) various large chain Mm -hmm. restaurants yeah Uh, two beverages in a product please Mm -hmm. and for me i i use the lego tub of lego metaphor all the time yeah, yeah right that i take out all these legos because i and then I find out, well, oh, it turns out that my rocket ship only needs three fins instead of six. Mm-hmm. I put three fins back in the tub. I got three fins still to work with if I need them. Uh, one definitional split, I think, that, yeah. that comes to mind is that there's Killing Darlings, which is like, I love this idea. And it might be like the first idea that you had or part of the initial ge- genesis of the overall project. And on its own, it's it's a great idea, but then it's just not working in what you've grown up around it. And sometimes the, the way to save the project is to kill the darling. There's also the white whale, which is like, I have this idea for a game and I just can't make it work. Right. And it's been sitting, you know, and it's, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm off in the boat, you know, sailing after it for, for years and, uh, stabbing at it from hell's heart. Yeah. Stabbing at it from hell's heart and is continually like, sometimes it's, it lies fallow for a while, but sometimes it's like, I've been working on this game for six years mm-hmm. and it's just not coming together. Sometimes killing a darling can, can, can bring you to to finally stabbing the white whale, right. finally catching it. Um, sometimes, yeah, they're so linked. A darling is what sometimes is holding you it's back. It's what's holding you back. But sometimes there is just the project itself is still in the mist and you, for whatever you have to go and For me, I have to go and work on something else. Yeah. And, and produce something different. And usually that's what lets me bring some more clarity to those larger white whale projects. It's I think it's worth, in that metaphor, remembering, right, that since the way that, Killing Darlings works from its original form in, in like fiction and novel writing is that you kind of never get a chance to write a novel again. That novel is, once it exists, that novel exists because mm-hmm. it's a story. But games There's occupy There's no second space. edition of novels? Not in the same way, right? And yeah. also, but also in the sense that if you write a novel about this character doing, having this adventure in this, on this day in this city, you kind I mean, you could reboot it nowadays, I suppose, but yeah. that's kind of what that would be. In a game, if, if Nathan makes a game about insomniac fighter pilots and i make a game about insomniac fighter pilots they can both exist and they can use different ideas and they can they can have a little bit of overlap and not it's a different space Mm. so there's a finality in kill your darlings that i think uh, even i get and lose and get and lose Mm. over remembering that it is not final well i think it's the the, then using the the language of resurrection is where that comes you know yeah which i think it's a helpful metaphor that's great i mean one thing i would suggest and this is something that i that i feel like i've seen over time over and over is if you're working on that 
game and that last piece just isn't falling into place and you keep revising it and revising it and you change the resolution mechanic and you change the how characters work and you change how you, you know change jargon and terms yeah, and, yeah yeah all those things and it's still just not coming together for you go go do something else like d- design a different game even if it's for a contest or some element of some smaller element you're like okay i'm just gonna design a completely separate game just to do the infiltration sneaky yeah. part because that's something that i really want to be in this game or whatever a lot of the time it's just like just the process of doing that even if that game that you finish in the interim is not your favorite thing in the whole world just that process of doing it will often break your your log jam and give you clarity to your original vision either to solving it or to being like that is never going to work in the way that i've envisioned it it's time for me to move on right which are both healthy things right Um, one of them i think teaches you how to that you can make stuff that you still know how to make stuff mm -hmm. and that can either lead you to great so now that means i can go back and tackle this first problem or it says i know i can still make stuff and therefore i know that my ability to make things is not is not completely gone it's not completely (laughs) gone yeah is not has not been stopped by this game that will not get into the shape I want it to be. And sometimes right, it's just a factor that the 10th level version of you and the 12th level version of you are capable of casting different spells. Yeah. And so just go out and get the XP yeah. and come back and finish that game at 12th level. And I, I have recently put out a playtest update for a game that I've literally been working on since 2007. So I have designed and produced four different games in that time. Right not counting kind of free stuff like a lot of different stuff and coming back to it i'm able to to learn use what i've learned through all those through all of those different processes to revise my vision and figure out not just functionally like how to achieve what i want to achieve but also like what do i want to achieve in the first place yeah because that's often the piece that there's you you have the motivation but you don't have the it's not a complete vision yet yeah it's it's not always clarity yeah so achieving the clarity can be really is what you want to do by that's that's what you want to that's that's the goal of killing your darlings is to achieve clarity and and what does it look like if i take this thing out exactly yeah there's uh, uh i have that hardcore actually with my stable of unpublished and un- by and large unfinished novels mm-hmm. which is to say that i have a novel that i'm not that i think is going to be cool i think it's a neat story i can't write it yet i'm not a good enough novelist to do it yet so i had to say, decide it wasn't gonna be my first novel and I had a game, and that novel was in fact a game that I realized was really just going to tell one story, but it was kind of too big to be a micro game or a mini game, and that it really should just be a story. <laughs> and then I have games uh, that were going to be scripts, or were going to be comics, or were going to be novels, or whatever. And the act of killing that darling made it possible for the game version of it to exist, mm-hmm. or the or the advent- game adventure version of it to exist, or whatever. Yeah. So sometimes killing the darling is actually just pulling out the pin or the the center, the slider in the middle of the hourglass that lets all the sand go into yeah, the bottom yeah. and turn becomes a different thing or whatever. I think that brings us to how do you decide how do you know or how do you go about mm-hmm. identifying and killing those darlings identifying is the the part that i use that i'm best at i'm very good at identifying i think when something is important to me versus being important to the design mm-hmm. but i am sometimes slower to cut it but the, one of the ways that i do is i do mock back cover text okay or i essentially a, a pitch for the product or the mm-hmm. game whatever form it is in and if I realize that the thing that I'm working on doesn't make it into the two paragraphs in the back cover, I have to. I, I get to reevaluate whether or not it's essential. Sure. Yeah. Um, the bullet points, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. That if it's not, 
and it, it may be invisible to the back text, but be vital to make to making it true. So that the sentence about detectives balancing their home lives and their work lives, because what without this, there's no home lives in the game. Mm-hmm. That I then what I realize is that might escalate the question to: Is it important that the game be about work at all, or is this a game about home lives? And that's the game I want to tell. And is the work holding me back, or the home life holding me back, whatever it is? Mm-hmm. But so that's how I help find what I call the seams, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. I know where I can cut. It's one of those things I do. I think doing maybe like a bullet point, like if I'm going to explain this game to someone, mm-hmm. here's a, a, a cheat sheet, like making a cheat sheet for the game. Yeah. That kind of thing can be really helpful because both to reveal like, oh, I never connected these two dots. If you have this and then you need to be able to do this later in the game, I actually haven't designed the interstitial part. So that's one value. But also one value is you do it and then you evaluate it versus you know the problems that you're having and go, oh, actually, if this step is gone, that makes everything else work better or whatever. Right. That identification process, or one of the things I'll do is I'll make uh, characters and or I will write the example of play again. Yeah. And if I find that I don't want to write the example of play mm-hmm. of the thing, then I should evaluate whether or not it's going to be fun to play with it. <laughs> one, uh, one of the great pieces of, of advice that I received early in, in my game design trajectory and I think it's kind of a common, you know, pretty common piece of advice at this point is um, if you're having trouble with the rules, write an example of play that's not about showing how the rules work, but mm-hmm. is about how you want the fiction at the table to sound. Like write an example of play that shows what your vision for the game will produce. And then you can work backwards to be like, how do I achieve that with the mechanics? Yeah. And that's similar to if your game has adventures, sketch right the, the outline of a mock of an adventure mm-hmm. and see if it is revealing something that the game does or does do right. that it doesn't need to do or doesn't do that it should. Mm-hmm. And that's what helps me resurrect this stuff too, is that by identifying it, I now know essentially, if you will, the shape yeah. of the thing I am I'm about to cut, which tells me that that thing does a th- it, it does something this game doesn't need. But now I know that I have a three inch a three eighths inch lug nut somewhere. <laughs> and so when I find another game that needs to cover insomnia rules for these fighter pilots. I go, oh, I have, insom- I have insomnia rules in the drawer over here. Yeah. In terms of, I feel like I'm kind of the reverse. I feel like I sometimes have trouble realizing what it is that's holding it back. But mm-hmm. then once I do, it's like, mm-hmm. bring out the knife. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to, to rip the heart out once I've realized that that's the problem. So for me, what, how I, some indicate, for me, it's mostly like an indicator. Like when this keeps on happening, I probably have a problem with some of my default assumptions. And so for my games, if I redesign something over and over and over, like if I take one aspect of the game and I'm like, oh, that didn't quite work. What if I, what if it uses two dice? No. Okay. What if there's a currency pool involved? No, that doesn't work either. What if, you know, it hooks into the experience mechanic instead of the generation mechanic? No, that also doesn't work. Then that's either, either that's the problem or some other element that feeds into it every single time is the problem. Like sometimes it's not. A one-to-one, but that's that's where I should start looking. Uh, and then you can run a thought experiment of like, how does this game work if this doesn't exist? Right. Right. And that can lead you down the path of like, okay, that shouldn't exist. Or something should exist, but it's not this. And just throw it away and, and start again from the basis of like, where am I? Where do I want to go? As opposed to, here's like this great idea I had. Why can't I make it work? Yeah. Um, There's a lot of what if involved. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of thought experiments and a lot of just like running really basic numbers and really basic scenarios of mm-hmm. like just how something could go down if this existed or did not exist. Uh, part of it, if you think about it, is like a larger, like designing a car or a house, but is the thing where you realize that 
this would work great if only there was an air filtration system. So now I have to invent the air filtration system. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, imagine, I mean, it's like being an inventor in some ways, only I think, you know, much easier because we get to stand on shoulders in a different way, but where you're like, hey, so all I got to do to make this, to sell this power grid is invent the light bulb. (laughs) I mean, another thing you can do is take something you know works from something else and drop it in in place of whatever you're having trouble with and see if that works, right? See if that solves the problem. I do that more usually when I'm like, like I know how characters work and I know how the long-term reward cycles work, but I'm kind of agnostic as to like the actual resolution other than I need to get these three results. Okay, well, I'll just try Apocalypse World dice and see if that bridges the gap or not. And because it helps you know what you're testing. Yeah. Yeah, because like I know, I know that the th- that that three D the two D six mechanic there works because it works in another game that already works. Right. So this way I can test just the new stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Or alternately, like like an analyst where I was like, okay, I have this dice matching resolution system, and trying to revise it to make it simpler and simpler and simpler. And then when what if I don't use this at all because all I want because I'm I'm here are the here are the questions that are coming into it and here are the answers I want to get out of it. What else out there can can do that and other kind dice could but i had to change how you defined the categories basically and then i added some other stuff in on the on the back end to make it a little more tactical than than other kind dice are that's cool that's another way to go that's another way i go about it i'll just use something that vincent designed is basically (laughs) is basically my solution you know what's interesting i'm trying to think of a specific example of resurrection though of something that i've resurrected i'm either coming up with stuff that is completely fictional like to say oh i i took this name for a monster and give it to this other monster mm-hmm. or an idea and you know how mechanics and like this monster and its special ability got paired in a d20 book or something mm-hmm. because at least in my head when i resurrect something and i bring it into a new game it becomes so much a part of, like it gets revised enough and gets so fully integrated into the new thing mm-hmm. that i no longer kind of in my head identified as the old thing anymore right yeah you yeah. know so it's in the same way right that the zombie of doug is not really doug anymore <laughs> Not that everything resurrected is a zombie. I'm looking at you. I, I hate that notion. Not everything back from the dead is a zombie. There's lots of stuff that comes back from the dead, people. Don't get me started. Happy Halloween. Thank you for listening to the Design Games Podcast. This was a really great conversation, but sometimes our conversations go a little further afield. When that happens, we make them into backer-exclusive episodes, which only our Patreon backers get to hear. Become a Patreon backer of the Design Games Podcast by supporting Nathan or Will at Patreon.com. What do people even say at the end of a podcast? What happens if it just...